0: We're grateful you come out this Sunday for the continuation of our end time series that we're studying through uh, the Bible in its entirety about the topic of the end time. Uh, We have taken our text for this message series from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 17. Albie's passing out the coloring sheets for the kids because of this family Sunday. And we have Family Sunday, uh, any Sunday that's got five Sundays, in or any month that has five Sundays to allow uh, your kids to have an experience in the congregation and in the big church so that they have a concept of what life is like in big church when they grow up, because they grow up pretty fast. So we allow them to go to children's church and uh, that because it's age-specific for them, and we're grateful. Uh, have so many teachers that volunteer at Bethesda, they give their time, talent and treasures and they study and they get ready and prepared and bring in the lesson each week. And it's just a great time for your kids to enjoy uh, the fellowship of other kids and the teachers to be able to teach. They say the best way to learn is to teach. And I found that to be true myself if there's a topic that I'll tackle when I go to teaching that topic that I'll learn more from it in preparation for the uh, lesson. And I'm sure our teachers do the same thing. So it's even a good way to learn. So if you want to learn, you can see Dusty or Alby about uh, if you're interested in teaching. Uh, they'd be grateful to have you on the team. But there is a process you have to go through, and we do background checks and all different kinds of things to protect the children. And it's a great way to get involved in your church, and we would love for you to do that if you're interested. This is number four uh, in part of the end time series, and it's a how-to guide to not fear the unknown. So uh, when we're speaking about the end times, there's unknown parts of the end time that the Bible uh, leaves uh, unanswered. And uh, there's some things that it's okay to have unanswered because Jesus told his disciples, uh, to not worry about the end of the days. In Acts chapter 1, he told him not to worry about it because some things the Father kept in his own power, and it was up to the Father to know the end of times or what day or hour that Jesus would reappear to gather his church. And he told him not to worry about it. Don't freak out. Don't worry because you don't know. But there's some things you do need to know. So if the Bible teaches on it, uh, the Bible's for all doctrine, so we need to teach on things that we do know. But there's some unknowns in the end of time things that we just need to leave unanswered and not fear that, but tackle it head on and actually go and learn what we do know. So, 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 1 But know this that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying His power, and from these people turn away. For they of this sort have crept into household and make captive the gallable women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambers resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, Disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, the manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I have endured. And out of them all the Lord deliver me. Yes, all those who desire to to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in these things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from a childhood you have known the scriptures which make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus." All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness That the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work Let us pray Father we thank you for this day Lord we rejoice in the joy of our salvation God we pray today that you would open our minds and open our hearts to understand these end time things In order we would have a knowledge And, Lord, that we would know what your word says concerning these things. But, Lord, most of all, help it apply in some way, shape, or form to our life that we live here, that we're living now. Help us to occupy till you come. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone says, amen. So the end times guide that we're looking into the fear, not fear of the unknown because some people, when they think about end times, it's kind of a scary subject that they tackle. And as they look into it, it's got this uh, connotation about it that they just allow it to bring fear automatically with that topic. But we need not fear the end of times because we know the salvation that we have because of Jesus Christ. And if we look through these uh, parts of this, that week one, we looked into how to prepare To be rapture ready as a church, because Jesus told the apostles and disciples in Acts chapter one that he was he would go away, or in John chapter fourteen he said he'd go away and prepare a place for us, that he would come back and receive us unto himself. And in Thessalonica, uh, uh, the church in Thessalonica, Paul wrote to them and said in chapter four, verse seventeen, that there would be a catching away of the saints, that Jesus would appear on the clouds, it says in Acts chapter one, and he would receive us back to himself that we would live forever with Him. So if you expect to be uh, ready for the rapture, you've got to give your life to Jesus Christ and allow Him to be the Lord of your life, and you'll be rapture ready. That means when Jesus does come back, you're going to go to heaven with Him. But we also know that in saying that, if Jesus comes and takes the church and all the Christians, that at that moment when the rapture happens, that the world is going to be a different place because there will be no Christians left here on this earth. There will be no place or no one to call upon whenever you need prayer because the Christians are being gone. And it's gonna bring about a different way of life uh, after that rapture moment. But in that rapture, we need to understand that when it happens, that it's gonna be an instant to be ready. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus taught his disciples of what that was gonna look like and told them to be ready. Because you don't know the day or hour that the Lord is coming. He told him that. You won't know that. And even into Matthew chapter twenty five, the parable of the ten virgins, he tells them to be ready, to be wise, to have the Spirit of God in your life, to be ready and prepared for when Jesus comes. So that rapture is going to happen. Look at your neighbor and say, The rapture will happen. I just don't know when. (laughs) Amen. I don't know when that's going to happen only the father knows that if Jesus don't know it I sure won't know it and that's okay I don't fear that all we need to know is to be prepared uh, week two we talked about how to study the Bible and how to study the end times that you let scripture interpret scripture and you need to mouth up two or three witnesses to to believe something or allow a doctrine to be a part of your life and Paul even says here in in Timothy that you know that uh, he thanked Timothy that he Uh, carefully followed the doctrine that Paul taught and how important it is to have a doctrine that we study and we look into and how to study the Bible and reason we need to know how to study is because if we're going to talk about a world with no Christians or a world where that no church is set up or established and the Holy Spirit is taken out of the earth then what's that going to look like and how long is that going to be to study the end times how long of a time do we know does the Bible speak about it And we decided, yes, it does, because it says in Revelation chapter seven, verse fourteen, that there will be a great tribulation. It's a period of great tribulation. So if we let scripture interpret scripture, then we jump back to Daniel chapter twelve, and that whole Daniel chapter twelve, Daniel the prophet in old testament lies out and spells out what the end of times and what that tribulation is going to be like. And he says that there's a number of days, that it's seven years in, in its entirety but also that it's broken two different sections or two different parts and how that the first part these type of things are going to happen and the second part these type of things are going to happen so the tribulation is going to last seven years so whenever the rapture happens about seven years will be of tribulation and it's going to be bad times no Christians no prayers no church just living We need to know how to study. Then week three, we also talked about how not to live afraid. So last week we decided we're not going to live afraid. We're not scared, right? We ain't scared. And we need to live that way. Even in this present world that we're living on, we can't fear. Paul wasn't afraid of persecutions. Paul didn't back down when he went to plant a church. If it was a church where there was a city that people was going to persecute him, he went head-face into it and headlong into it to go ahead and plant a church even though some people was afraid of it because it was his calling it was what God asked him to do so some things you're gonna be required by God to go do and it's gonna be a little bit of fear will set in you'll say well I don't know if I can teach children's church if God's drawing you to kids and you love kids and you would like to study and teach a lesson then go down there and get with Albin Dusty and teach a lesson you will love it I assure you you will love it I've taught Uh, children's church before. I've taught youth group before. I've done all different kinds of parts of the church, and I've enjoyed every part I've ever done. If you volunteer your time, I assure you, Jesus will bless you for what you do. Amen? Don't live scared of saying, I can't, whenever God says, yes, you can. Amen? Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So don't sit back and say, I can't, whenever God says you can. Do something for the kingdom of God. But last week we talked about how that the second half of that three and a half years is going to be tribulation times two. That it's going to be bad. It's where the Antichrist, Antichrist is actually revealed. And he's going to have dominion over the earth. And he's going to have all kinds of things that he does. And his purpose. And it's where the devil has the power to to do things he's going to have it to rain and not rain he's going to have a power over everything in the world and it's going to be a trying time you don't want to live through the tribulation you want to be rapture ready and in the doctrine that we teach it's the imminent return of Christ it means it can happen at any moment don't put off being ready to be go with Jesus in the rapture get ready now because you don't know when that's going to happen. There's an imminent return, and He can return whenever God tells Him to. Just be ready. So we've talked about that tribulation period, but there's also one other thing that I have to uh, touch on in the tribulations part, and that's where we're at today. And we're still going to be in the tribulation time frame. So in that seven-year period, and I don't know exactly when this occurs because the Bible don't really tell you where this occurs in that seven year period but we'll look and we'll study it and we'll know that it's going to happen during that time so today I want to teach you how to resist how to resist look at your neighbor and say you need to learn how to resist this is kind of like the opposite of what Leslie done she couldn't resist me and she chased me down and you know chased after me and, until she Suckered me into Mariner and all that stuff, you know. Was,
1: uh, he was there. He
0: knows. He couldn't wait to get rid of you. He couldn't resist getting rid of you. He was excited. It was a good time for him. The barber household changed for the good. <laughs> you, <gotta have laughs> you got to resist. You got to learn how to resist. Mr. Darling sat back there and saying she couldn't resist me either. He's, he's Kimmy, he, he's sitting there with all that pride. I can see it. It's awesome. But we're going to talk about how to resist and why. The word resist means to withstand the action or the effect of something. It also goes on to say in the dictionary to try and prevent an action or an argument. To resist something means... To prevent it by an action or by an argument. She got so mad she left. That was awful. Oh. And she couldn't resist. She couldn't resist leaving. <laughs> She's turning the fans on. Maybe that's maybe that'll be better. Awesome. Yeah, we're good. We're good. She's helping the church. Giving her time, talent, and treasure. So some people enjoy arguing. Amen. How many you know somebody that loves to argue? Don't say nothing. If it's somebody sitting beside of you, you'll get in trouble. Then you'll cause an argument. I don't want to cause arguments on the way home from church today. I'm trying to prevent you from these things. So you need to prevent those arguments. And sometimes you can do it by an argument. And to argue doesn't mean scream and yell and holler and all that. It can be a part of it. But to have an argument about something is basically your opinion or your study of something to prove the other person wrong. So, you can have an argument without screaming. Amen? So, parents, just because you're arguing doesn't mean you have to scream and yell. You can have a peaceful argument. And Ryan's saying, Amen, Mom, because she's always arguing with him about trying to get him to clean his room and about trying to get him to do what you're trying to get him to do, right, Amy? So try the calm, cool mother method. Ryan, you're such a good kid. Go clean your room. I don't know if it'll work or not, but it's worth trying. What you've done so far ain't worked, so that's insanity to do the same thing over and expect a different outcome. If it has worked now, try something different. Do something. So that's what the word resist means. Also, it means to succeed. In ignoring the attraction of something. To succeed in ignoring the attraction of something. And that's really hard. If you're attracted to something, it's really hard to ignore it. Kind of like Leslie was attracted to me and hard to ignore it. She's like, I've never seen a guy so hot in all my life. Another part of it is to struggle against someone or something. So to resist something means that there's a struggle against someone or something. So in talking about resistance, uh, life application for me is learning how to resist. And it's amazing to me how God always lays these sermons out for me a year in advance. And here I am standing today. And the thing I've been going through is a resistance issue. So God knows you from your, before you was in your mother's womb, that he'll take care of you all the way through your life. Amen? And if he's preparing me for sermons, then he'll have my life to be something that I'm going through during the summer, sermon that I'm studying about of whatever I'm dealing with. So I'm dealing with a resistance issue right now, that there's some things I have to resist. And it's a continual thing, and resistance is for everybody. There's nobody in this room that has a perfect life that you don't have anything that you don't have to resist. Everybody's challenge is different. Some people is alcohol. Some people is porn. Some de- people is, they've got all these different addictions that they have, and it's hard to redis- resist those things. But in resisting, the power to overcome it. So today, I want us to know that Pastor Ben's trying to resist something. So I want to talk to you a minute about that. So, about, I don't know, probably two months ago, I went. To the doctor to get my allergy medicine because you have to go. It's a prescription thing, right? So you can't get a prescription product without going to a doctor. Look, at your neighbor say that you don't use prescriptions that you don't have a prescription for. So that's the opioid epidemic in its entirety, right? Dusty people using drugs that they don't have a prescription for. If you got a prescription for it, then if you go to your uh, workplace. Chris, we go to workplace and if you go and take a drug test and if, if you have some prescription in your body, they'll send you a letter and they'll say, do you have a written prescription for this product to be in your body? And If you write and give them that prescription that the doctor gave you, then it gets you out of the drug test. But if you don't have a prescription, then they say that's a failed drug test and now you can't go to work. It happens but I needed this prescription for my allergy medicine. So I go to the doctor, and it's up in Ironton, I stop there, it's easy on the way home, and I just wheel in there, you know, and I go in and I sit there at the doctor's office, and and it's uh, waiting and all that, you know, and sitting there and everybody coughing and sneezing and all that around the waiting room. It's like, I don't even like being in a doctor's office. I don't like going to the doctor. Sorry, Donna, she works in healthcare and she makes her living off of that, But more power to everybody that goes and they do help people survive and live that wouldn't if they don't do a heart cath I understand so serious issues go to the doctor it's not a problem but I don't like going so I don't go but I walked in there, and she said okay I'm gonna write you a prescription that you always get every year and I'm gonna go ahead and extend it for another year for your allergy medicine but this time you have to go get blood work like I don't like people poking on me with no needle I ain't all about that. You know what I'm saying? I don't like that. I resist that pretty well. I don't want anybody poking on me. But she said, well, you have to this time because it's a well care visit. Okay, you're the doctor. So I'll go get my blood drawn. Well, she gives me a receipt, like a thing to go to the lab to go get it done. It's over my sun visor for, it was more than a month, a little bit more than a month, that I was driving up down the road with this, thing to go get done, but I, I didn't want to go do it, because they said you had to fast. Does anybody like fasting? The Bible talks about fasting a lot, and I'm telling you, fasting is no fun, even if it's scripturally, or if it's for your health care, there's no fasting that's fun. It don't Fast is resistance to whatever you're fasting, and it's hard. Fasting is hard. So they told me, you know, you can't eat for eight hours or drink anything for eight hours before you come get your blood drawn. So I hear, man, it's cooler down here than it is up there. I'm staying over here now. So I go, and I, uh, finally I go. I resist it, you know, because I'm resisting what it was. I have a hard time giving up my blueberry muffins. Somebody say amen, Hallelujah. It's hard to give up blueberry muffins in the morning because the first thing my routine is, Jason, I get up, take my shower, get ready, get dressed, go down the hallway, feed Mammy, or uh, Oscar the Great, I feed him some milk, and, and he's there eating, drinking his milk while my coffee's brewing and po- coffee's on, and then all the dogs follow me in out of the bed. They jump out of the bed and run in there in the, in the kitchen. I'm standing there, and they're waiting on my coffee to get done so I can eat my little, four little blueberry muffins, and they want their part. So really, it ain't four blueberry muffins, really two probably by the time you count off their part. they got to have theirs. And there's three of them sitting there on the floor looking at me, like, where's my blueberry muffin. So I have a hard time resisting them. How many has a hard time resisting your pet, your pet? when your pet wants something? You have a hard time resisting that. So I'm sitting there, and I every morning I go in there, and for this whole month that I'm waiting on to go get my blood work done, I can't resist the blueberry muffins. It's kind of crazy, really. Thinking about it, man, I can't leave and go to work without eating my blueberry muffins and drinking my coffee. That's going to be awful, Lisa. It would just be terrible to drive to work like that, even though it's just thirty-five minutes. And I could take them with me and went and got my blood done, then eat them. That's what I did. Finally, <laughs> must a half later. That doctor's probably like, "What's that nut?" He run out of here and I give him to go get that blood work done. He ain't going to do it or something. But anyway, I will stop in there. Finally, I resist it one more and wake up. And I, I'll just it out today Not I go in there and the dogs all wallering around, where's the blueberry muffins? What? <laughs> the routine's broken, right? <laughs> Something's wrong here. So I take off and I drive up to Ironton and I go in and they they ask me which arm and I said, I don't know. I'm not the one drawing blood. You are you <laughs> I said, is there a difference? No, it's the same blood. Just which arm? She said, one of them's gonna be sore and one's not. I said that don't really matter to me. So she Pokes my arm and gets out two little things, and it come out, and literally my blood looked blue. I think it's called the UK, but I don't know, but it kind of looked blue in the tube to me. So I, I'll just use that for my own benefit. So they tell me, they say, if, if something's bad in it, your physician will call you. If, if it's good, no news is good news. i like, okay. It's about a week later, call. Nah calls and she says uh Mr. Collier I said yeah she said uh do you drink excessively no I kind of hold off on that I'm pretty good at resisting alcohol I got saved in 1999 and I haven't drunk a drop of alcohol and i drunk a lot of it before I haven't drunk a drop of alcohol since 1999 I'm pretty good at resisting that i hold that off i can hold. now i'm not saying that i don't want one if i'm around somebody that's drinking something and i can just smell it and i can taste it right now just talking about it i can literally taste like a bud light on my lips it it tasted pretty good but i've resisted that because of my spiritual desire to put that off because i want to live a godly life in this present world which bible teaches so i said no ma'am i don't i don't drink i haven't drunk for 20 years she said, your liver enzymes are so high that it's almost to a cirrhosis level. I was like, wow, that's kind of scary. And I was like, well, what do you want? And she said, I'm going to talk to the do- It was the nurse. She said, I'm going to talk to the doctor more and see what she wants to do. I said, okay. So automatically, I'm like freaking out, you know. I don't want bad results or bad reports. And I take off. Because what do we do whenever we don't know something? I told you last week, you Google it. Amen? So I I take off on uh, liver enzyme. Yeah, I need to Google it. And literally there's reports out there and studies out there that say the reason that the uh, Appalachian region that we're in, there's ARC, Appalachian Regional Commission, they do studies, and we're one of the highest opioid epidemic epicenters of the world. It's because we self medicate. Amen? I'm guilty. Why? Because my great grandma did it. So when I was little, if you got sick, you went down to Opie McLeese's house down on, you go down to Opie's and she's about this tall, and you know, you go into Opie's and she kept stuff there, and, and, and you go down to Opie's and a little refrigerator about that tall, and, and you say, you didn't dare say you're sick if you went to Opie's. I'm just telling you right now, if you went to Opie's and said you're sick, you was drinking hot toddy. And that was the nastiest stuff on the planet. It was gel root and just, I, I think she mixed in it water if she wanted to, lemon in it and, and something she'd say and just all this stuff she would pour in it, man, it was nasty. So you wouldn't dare be sick around Opie. Somebody else would go say you're sick around Francis, she'd pet you on the back and all go over and get at you a slushy at, at uh, Nobles and get, make you feel better. It worked pretty good, but uh, you didn't do that at Opie's. Francis take care of you, Opie would make you drink uh, hot toddy, it was nasty. So, I've been doing my self-study, right? I'm going to diagnose myself. I don't need no doctor. i got to Google. So, I take off reading all these articles and all this stuff, and in and, and doing so, I find out that linked to the liver, you can do some studies, but you still need doctor's advice. So, I look into it, and it says sugar intake because my glucose level was high. can't imagine that for Ben Collier. He's like the picture of health to everybody, right? Because when she first said it, she said, your liver's fatty. And I was like, duh. I got a fat belly. I know I got a fat liver. It's kind of like, I'd say everything in there is fat. I mean, look, it's, there's plenty of room for all that to go on. Well, in studying that, I find out that sugar has something to do with it. It's linked to it. Your liver function is based off sugar. And anybody that's been around me very much and in my eating habits, I'm not a very good eater. So if we go to Golden Crow, Leslie's plate will be greens and salads and all these collars and everything, and mine will be brown, onion rings, french fries, fried fish. You know, everything I eat is brown. I don't eat green. So it says in there, too, you need some leafy vegetables and spinach and, and Brussels sprouts. They said the worse it tastes, the better it is for you. And I'm like, bleh. But I have a hard time resisting, don't you? If you go to Golden Crow, is it easy for you to eat a healthy thing or Ponderosa or anywhere you get a pick? Is it easier for you to eat the healthy thing or the unhealthy thing? It's easier to go unhealthy every time, right? It's hard to resist. So I made up my mind last week, and I still go get some more tests done and stuff, but I made up my mind last week I'm going to resist. What's making me sick? I'd rather live longer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try my best. So I've went this entire week with no little debbies. That's hard times right there. And literally the other day, me and Leslie, she went to work with me and was vehicle shopping or whatever, and and went through a steak and shake, and I pulled through. Steak and Shake, and I've done pretty good because I've ate salads every day. Yeah. Some of them got, you know, like I gotta get chicken. You gotta put chicken on it, so I will do that. Well, then I pull up through the steak or Steak and Shake line, and, and we're driving up the window. And when you pull up the window, there's a cookie. I ain't exaggerating. It's three foot big around, a big chocolate chip cookie on the window. Eat me, <laughs> a big. Cho- and here I am trying to resist. How many knows the devil's cunning in all of his ways? He's pretty crafty. So here I am trying to resist, and they've got a three-foot picture of a chocolate chip cookie on there. And I'm like, you don't know the resistance that I had to have in that moment. Because one thing, it's probably a good thing Leslie was with me that day because I would have probably got a cookie. I was thinking, I cannot eat no cookie with Leslie hollering at me all the way down the road. I'm not going to enjoy this at all. So I, I resisted it. And God wants us to resist things in the life we're living. I don't care if it's for your health, for whatever you're living in. God wants you to learn to resist. So what you need to resist in the end times, in the tribulation, is the word 666. Right? Leslie put it up. Everybody say, ooh. No, say it in a real scary term. Say, ooh. Kind of scary movies. It's like, do-do-do-do-do-do. Jaws is coming. It's, ooh, right? So anytime you hear 666 in the world that we've lived in, that I grew up in, Francis would take me to church as a little kid before Mom started going to church with us and taking us to church. Francis took me to church. Was, uh, up on uh, Montgomery. Rots Chapel. And I would go up there and Brother Hall would preach. And he's one of the fiery preachers, you know. And, and uh, Julie Stidham would ride her horse to the church. And she would get off and sing during church. And I loved hearing her sing. Man, she can sing like a bird. It's awesome. And I I loved experiencing that. And they would teach about these things, and they would say 666. And, man, sometimes you talk about that, people take it to heart. Francis, literally, if she goes to a store and her bill comes up to 666, she'll go buy something else. (laughs) I've seen people do it. It's kind of freaky. It's like, I don't like that number. I'm afraid of that number. But I'm trying to teach you how to not be afraid. I want you to resist being afraid of 666. And the reason being because Revelation chapter 13, and I'm out of time, I've already took too much time talking about eating, but Revelation chapter 13 says the mark of the beast, it's the very last verses of that, 16, 17, 18, talks about the number 666 and the Antichrist. So when is that going to happen? So if it's something I need to be aware of, the Bible tells me about it, I want to know when, right? I want to know where. I want to know why. So, if it tells me that there's a 666 and be aware of it or be concerned by it and don't have anything to do with it, when? So, in knowing what it says there, that the Antichrist is going to have the ability and authority to require it of you to have 666 on your forehead or in your hand, is the Antichrist here today? Is there still a church? Is there still Christians? So that means the rapture hasn't happened yet. Amen? So if there has been no rapture, then the Antichrist can't be an authority over the earth. So I don't need to worry about 666. Because going to McDonald's and getting me the certain Happy Meals that you get, it always comes out to 666. There are several meals that you get on McDonald's. If you get it by yourself on a single meal, it's $6.66. McDonald's is Antichrist. Well, i better take that back. They might sue Bethesda Church for preaching against them or something, some kind of goofy law or something. So let's say if you go to McDonald's and get a, a, a salad and it's $5.57. Well, actually, it's higher to eat better, so it's probably $7 and something to eat a salad, then that's okay. McDonald's is good, right? So I can't hold a 666 receipt and say, Oh, McDonald's is Antichrist. Because everybody, a few years ago, Walmart was coming. Oh, man, they can buy or sell, and Walmart's going to control the world, and it is the Antichrist. Don't believe all that stuff. Don't be afraid of that. Resist what others believe or others think and conjure up in their mind when the Bible tells you very clearly what to know about that situation. 666 is going to happen somewhere in the tribulation. He's going to have you to mark your head. But the beautiful part is to know, is there another way of being marked? So if if those people would read Revelation chapter 13, 16, 17, 19, if they would just carry on another verse, one more verse, a lot of people stop too early. There's a lot of things in your life you give up too early on. It'd be real easy for me to give up on my health and go back to eating little Debbie's every meal like I have for the past 40 years. But I'm going to resist that. So it's hard to resist and give. We used to giving up early, but in Revelation chapter fourteen, verse one, it says there's a group of people that will be marked by God. Sure, the devil is going to mark his people during the tribulation, but also God is going to mark his people during the tribulation for those that believe. Those that consider, those that find Bibles that read and understand and study and know who Jesus was and what He did and what He did for them, they're going to become Christians after the rapture. Isn't that encouraging? Marked by God. So I started studying that, and the two-minute version is this. The first marking of God on a human being was if you go back to Genesis chapter 4, it says that, you know, God created Adam and Eve and, and, and then whenever they grew up and, and, uh, or, or become beings and once they partook of that fruit, they knew right from wrong. And when they did that, they had to decide right from wrong. Well, God come and he walked in the cool day with him. Man, I wish it was cool right now. And God said, well, where are you at, Adam and Eve? And they said, well, we're naked. Awesome. Naked people ought to hide. Amen. The Bible talks about clothing yourself. I'm not telling about what kind of clothes you ought to wear at church. I'm just saying wear something. Amen. Don't come in here naked. We'll probably have to get you something. Get you some feed sack or something. We'll, We'll figure something out. Well, God says mark yourself. So then Adam has this kid named Cain, right? Raising Cain. So Adam raises Cain. And then they have another kid, and his name's Abel. And we know the story that Cain didn't like Abel because they both give sacrifices to God, and God accepted one and didn't accept another. So God goes on, and then it says in Scripture, in in Genesis chapter 4, that God, that Cain slew Abel, and God judged him. When we do things that's against God's will and against God's purpose and against God's word, we will be judged. So it says that as this judgment happened, God came and talked to Cain, and He told Cain, "Take care of your family, take care of your uh, household." Cain said, "I'm my brother's keeper. Yes, you are. You're to take care of your family. You're to take care of your kindred." God told him, and He said, and then it says that God marked Cain so that no one would kill him. Think about that. Even murderers can be marked and protected by God. So that tells us about the grace of God, don't it? The very first judgmental case that God had to issue on man, He marked him and said, You won't be killed, Cain. Even though you killed somebody. Because God's grace is that way. Can you resist things? And the Bible's full. In Ezekiel, one place it says that God told the prophet to go through the whole community, the whole town, and mark those that weep for the idols that was being in their nation. If you see something happening in your community or in your nation, you should pray. And there should be a holy uh, thing within you, the Spirit of God within you, that urges you to resist those things. So I want you to stand with me because we're going to go to the last verse that I want you to know about resisting. I'm sweating. It's hot in here. Because everybody in this room has to resist something. Even though 666 isn't something you've got to resist because you ain't living in the tribulation, you can still learn to resist something today. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, whatever you're trying to resist, you need to understand that it's the devil that hates your soul. He despises you. John 10.10 10 says, for the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's, that's the devil's mission. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything in your life. But God, also in John 10.10, 10, says that God comes, that you have, may have life and have it more abundantly. When you resist, you benefit. I assure you, whatever you need to resist today, you will benefit by doing the godly thing. If you'll listen to God and say, God, what are you speaking to me about today? What am I hearing? What should I resist, God? He will speak to you. I assure you. If you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Some people read this verse and read it this way Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he might flee from you. The Bible don't say that. It don't say that the devil might flee. It says he will. So if you resist him, he has no option but leave you alone. Whatever you're facing today, whatever the enemy is tempting you with, I'm telling you, if you'll submit yourself to God and resist that devil, he's got to go. How many wants him to leave you alone? How many is tired of him tormenting your mind? Amen? Of tormenting your body, of tormenting your soul. I'm sick of it, devil, and you've got to go. He's got to go. If you submit yourself to God, let's pray. I want everybody in this room to pray this with me. Everybody here, just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you to forgive me for my sins, for my faults, for my failures, for my shortcomings. Help me to resist the devil so that he has to flee. That he'll leave me alone and I can live for you amongst my people in peace. In Jesus' name, amen.